Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hockey school. <laughs> Steve, Zips of Akron. It's been three weeks, but I uh, went from wanting to fire Patino to now he's the coach of the decade. And you street. Hey, help. Well, I think we can start with that. I Well, you know what? No, no. We're going to start with hockey. I'm going to make street wait to... To have thoughts, unless he feels like, uh, it seems like he watched the Arizona State series, so maybe he'll chime in for that. But if we're going to be true hockey blog, that means we have to have at least one podcast where we start with hockey. So I am going to throw out a couple things that have impressed me so far, having gotten to watch absolutely none of this team because I don't live anywhere near, you know, Minnesota. First of all, uh, 10-0 for the only the fourth or fifth time in program history uh, including never having been 10 and0 in any of the years in recent time uh, you know the the Lucia years for example when they won natties actually I don't think they were 10 and0 for any of the natties in those seasons is that correct Andy uh well it depends on what your definition of a natty is the last time they were 10 and0 was the 1939-1940 season where they won the AAU national championship counts. If Alabama can count shit like that for football, we can count it for hockey. Okay. So it's been, and since the last Natty was now 80 years ago. It's been 80 years since they started 10-0 and won a Natty. So this is definitely an impressive start, if for no other reason than that. Uh, they continue to win games while down, you know, their very talented uh, starting or top three defensemen, which is impressive. Uh, and they even managed to pull a very Minis- uh, opposite of a very Minnesota and win a game in which the other team had a miracle play go their way. Uh, the In this case, the lucky uh, rebound turned catch it on my stick wraparound goal thing that Arizona State put together. Um, and, and that, frankly, is just not something that happens. Usually that's the thing that breaks the, the back of a of a Minnesota team, and instead, nope, they still walk ahead for a, a 6-4 victory. Those are all very unintelligent things to talk about comparatively uh, when com- you know when you look versus somebody who's actually watched. So let's turn it to Andy, who has actually watched and I think has real thoughts as to why this team is so impressive right now. Well, yeah, you know, it's an interesting uh, look this weekend with Arizona State in town. You knew, you know, the Gophers hadn't played a game in nearly a full month, so there was definitely some rust to shake off, and, and they did. The first period on, on Sunday was uh, was not pretty, 
to say the least. Um, but they got things figured out, you know. Uh, this was the first time all year that they've trailed at all, and they trailed in both games at each point against the Sun Devils this weekend, but came back to win both. So this was the first time this team had faced basically any adversity at all, and they and they struck back and, and did what they needed to do to, uh, to get a couple of wins and remain undefeated. Um, so that's that's a big the big point of this weekend, you know, is 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 they they were tested, they battled back, they did what they needed to do, and they beat an inferior opponent. Um, you know, from from that point, um, there's still, I mean, the the difference in the games is is you can see at what level Jack Lafontaine's playing right now. Lafontaine allowed just one goal on Sunday. The Gophers won four to one. Uh, Jared Moe got his first start of the year on Monday. Uh, and, well, frankly, you can't really hurt him for the first three goals that Arizona State scored. That was all on the defense. Uh, but the fourth goal is a really weak goal that he gave up. But still, uh, the fact that LaFontaine is averaging one goal allowed per game, so he's allowed in nine games, nine goals, whereas Mo gave up four in one game. And it shows you a little bit of the difference right now, and which is why LaFontaine is the number one goalie in the country at the moment. Uh, you know, they, they, they did what they needed to do. They'll get their three defensemen back here for next weekend's games. They should be playing, as we record this right now, just about to kick off the World Junior Gold Medal game against Canada. Um, from everything I've read, they should be back in the States tomorrow. COVID tested by Thursday, practice Friday, and then back on the team and ready to go for the Saturday-Sunday series in Madison against the Badgers, uh, who are the number two team in the Big Ten as we sit through the first eight conference games of the year at this point i mean is the biggest difference for this team other than jack lafontaine the improvement in the offense i i remember i don't think it was last last time but the the podcast before i believe you talked about how you know Motsko really looks for uh passing you know the passing for the last couple of years under Moscow hadn't been very crisp but at this you know this year uh the team had really improved with creating offense by moving the puck into the offensive zone with with good passing rather than dump and chase and is that is that the primary difference the fact that they can effectively run their offense consistently right now yeah i mean that's that's a large part of it is i mean that their their defense is playing at a high level and, and moving the puck bringing the puck out of their own zone um they're making some incredible breakout passes and that's allowing them to spring guys on on mod man rushes and things like that um you know and obviously the passing was a bit rustier this weekend again trying to get back on the ice after off of it for at least three full weeks um and you'd fully expect that but uh no that is that is a major reason why they're not trying to do as much dipsy doodle fancy shit as they have done in past years they still occasionally will do that especially on the power play but it's not nearly to the level that they have been the last couple of years um they're getting dirty goals in front of the net sampo ranta scored two goals this weekend by just absolutely sheer force driving the net uh you didn't see that last year at all so that's 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 huge for the Gophers. Uh, you know, Scott Reedy in front, Blake Lafonte, uh, Blake Lafonte, excuse me, Blake McLaughlin tipped in two goals on Sam Rossini shots yesterday in front of the net, creating havoc. That's something that this team's needed but hasn't been doing the last few years. So so far, they're they're finding everything they need to do. Uh, they are the highest scoring team in the Big Ten so far. Uh, I think they're averaging, I think, it was three point nine goals a game. So. They can put the puck in the net when they need to, but 
you know, they're also getting great defensive play in front of LaFontaine, and LaFontaine made some ridiculous saves in, in Sunday's game as well to only allow one goal. So, you know, you put that all together and, and things are looking up. Uh, now, admittedly, as we said, heading to Madison this weekend is going to be a much tougher task than Arizona State. Uh, Arizona State has a couple snipers. Johnny Walker, who was, who was the player who uh, who did that lacrosse slash Mike Legg goal uh, that got the number one play at Sports Center last night uh, as he beat Mo. Uh, he's he was a Hobie Baker finalist last year. Finally, getting back into the swing of things, he's been injured for most of the season. Uh, we head to Madison. We're going to see two or three really good players. Cole Caulfield, who's uh, was a number one draft pick in the NHL last year, he's been playing with the U.S. team. Uh, was Big Ten Rookie of the Year last year. Almost led the conference in scoring. Uh, Dylan Holloway, who's been playing for Team Canada. Uh, at the World Juniors. He'll be back for Wisconsin. So Wisconsin's got some high-level talent. Um, the difference from last year and this year, Badgers finished 7th in the Big Ten last year. Their they're goaltending, uh, Daniel Lebedev, has been outstanding for Wisconsin this year. Not quite to LaFontaine's level, uh, but Wisconsin had one of the worst goaltending teams in the country last year, and he's really made a, a large difference this year, and, and w- the reason why Wisconsin's sitting 2nd in the Big Ten behind Minnesota. So uh, it should be a really fun weekend. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to say it, but I think there's a chance the Gophers will drop their first game this weekend, but if they can go into Madison and get a sweep, uh, watch out. Everybody's going to be really riding high. I'd like that. That'd be nice. I feel like some of what you described feels like it hasn't really existed since, God, the Bugie years. Well, and that's, uh, that's exactly what it is. This is, this is by far the best team they've had on the ice since probably that, 2012-2013, Rao, Bugstad, Hala, uh, the group that went to the uh, went to the Frozen Four and, and lost to uh, Union in the in the title game. Uh, this is this is by far the best team they've had since then, and you can make an argument that it's the best team they've had since the NCAA title winners in, in the early 2000s. Um, you know, even going back to some of those late 80s, early 90s, D. Doug Woog teams where they were perennial Frozen Four teams and just couldn't get over the hump. I mean, this team looks like that type of gopher hockey team. Once again, they're getting it on the offensive end, they're getting it on the defensive end, they're getting it at the goaltending. Um, if they can keep it up for another two or three months, I mean, this, this team will go into the NCAA tournament, assuming it's played, knock on wood, um, as, as a number one seed. And, I mean, it will be everybody jokes, but it legitimately, except for Boston College, you could play this tournament in the upper Midwest state of Minnesota or Minnesota joining teams. Minnesota's number one in the country, BC's two, North Dakota's three, UMD's four, St. Cloud's five. You know, it, it really is the uh, the upper Midwest state of hockey going on right now. So it, uh, it should be a, a fun finish here the last couple of months, and hopefully Minnesota will continue to keep up their level of play. Normally, you know, I'd gladly transition into talking about the women right now, but they continue to have a problem with uh, the teams they're facing getting COVID and not being able to play. That happened again last week. Uh, are they currently scheduled to play this weekend, or are they facing another uh, delay? They are. In fact, they added a game, um, which is this weird, the way that WCHA is doing the scheduling. I'm not really sure how they're doing it, but sure, why not? Uh, yeah, the Gophers were supposed to play UMD, their first series uh, coming out of the holiday break. Uh, UMD apparently has COVID issues, so the series was postponed. Um, they are scheduled to play St. Cloud State this weekend. They originally were supposed to play a home-and-home home on Friday and Saturday. Um, they've now added another game, and they're playing at home again against St. Cloud uh, 
tomorrow night, Wednesday night. So they're playing a home and away and a home series, three games in four days against St. Cloud State, which, um, you know, if you're looking at the at all three games, apparently you're going to count in the WCHA standing. So they just randomly added a game against St. Cloud, which if you're not going to be able to replay those games against UMD and you get a game against St. Cloud instead, that's actually a total win for Minnesota if you're wanting them to uh to compete for the WCHA title. Uh, a reminder that the WCHA, since teams have played minimal games, Wisconsin's had COVID issues, things like that, instead of total points, they're now going to percentage of total points won to determine who wins the conference. Uh, so the Gophers dropping two games against UMD, who's probably the third or fourth toughest team in the conference to play against St. Cloud, who's probably the second worst team in the conference, if not the worst team, uh, should be a nice, easy trade for Minnesota. It should be three fairly easy wins for the Gophers this weekend, unless they have some major rust issues, considering they haven't played in almost a month now. Um, but uh, the Gophers have usually not had trouble with St. Cloud State, so it should be should be three fairly easy wins for uh, for Minnesota. You know, before, I believe, I'd have to look at the schedule, I think, but I believe um, they might play Wisconsin Next week, I'll, I'll have to look again. I, I might be I might be confused by that, but um, either way, the, the Gopher women will get back on the ice, and, and their schedule will get uh, significantly tougher after this weekend. All right. Well, this is a, a natural transition point towards basketball, but uh, before we do that, Street, what were your impressions having watched some of the Arizona State series? I think it's pretty impressive to be down your top three defensemen and still keep kicking. I agree with Andy on all other points that he made. But I will take this opportunity as well, even though Blake is not here, to continue our regularly scheduled segment, Blake asks a hockey question to Andy. (laughs) So Andy, this question is from Blake, and it goes as follows. Why is it that when there are shift changes, they go over the boards instead of through the door? Uh, two reasons. One, it's faster, and two, it's safer, because as that door swings out, it's uh, incredibly easy for players not paying attention to get checked into it and fly into it, and if you've ever basically run into a three-foot-tall wall going full speed, that hurts like a bitch. Wait, Andy, when was the last time you ran into a three-foot-tall wall full speed? Does my toddler count? (laughs) <laughs> okay touche touche no but i mean that it that the thing is is i mean yeah imagine basically taking a, a nasty charlie horse across the across the thigh because you basically skated into a a, a metal two by four uh that would be one of the reasons why they don't open those gates so uh and generally like i said it's it's instead of trying to walk down it there's only two gates so you have to walk down the bench things like that it's just usually easier and faster to just hop the wall and and just to prove that my memory isn't going i was correct well one minor correction that the gophers are playing st cloud this weekend thursday saturday sunday not wednesday friday saturday but they are playing in madison the following weekend so uh, after three wins, it does get a hell of a lot tougher for the Gophers. All right, basketball, as Andy and I talked about last week, does appear to be good, um, despite getting blown the hell out by Illinois and having a relatively strong stinker uh, on the road against Wisconsin. 
everything else in the Big Ten slate has turned up, frankly, quite positively. We are now at a point where the Gophers have won three games in the Big Ten, which, frankly, uh, in this first really hard stretch, I think had they left that stretch of games winning three, we'd have been pretty happy. Am I am I thinking about that correctly, uh, Street and Steve? Just to be clear, the question that you had was running into the Iowa game, we'd be pretty happy, or running into the St. The St. Louis, starting the St. Louis game? Well, I'd say uh, coming into the coming into uh, having lost against Illinois at that point. Yes, if we had left the first seven games or eight games, however many it was before we saw Nebraska, um, and we had three wins in that stretch, we would have been very happy. Correct? That is correct. Yes, a right. a excellent result over from St. Louis to the rematch against Michigan on January twentieth is when the men's team will play Nebraska. In that period of time, from uh, December 20th until January 20th, so in that month, pending the results, obviously, of the game on Wednesday, Minnesota will either have be playing uh, four teams that are in the top ten or five teams that are in the top ten. Those are three different teams because they played Iowa twice, Michigan twice, and they lost to Wisconsin, unfortunately, they have, uh, thanks to the fact that people who vote in the AP poll do not watch the games, Michigan State is still somehow ranked, which means that uh, Ohio State was receiving votes in, in the most recent poll and was ranked in the prior week. So Minnesota has not played anything other than a top 25 ranked team since the 15th of December. This, as a as a road slog, is just ridiculous. They... At the beginning of this, when we were thinking of our expectations, and I'll throw to Steve here to add his insight on this, uh, my view was if they went 4-4 four and four over that stretch of the eight games, be incredibly excited about this team. It was totally plausible to me that they wouldn't win a single one of them. And at the time, it was also the case that they could lose every single one of those games and there was still a reasonable shot to get to the tournament because of how difficult the Big Ten was. What they have done over the last month at home is quite heartening. They've given themselves a ton of breathing room. Um, I still look at the rest of the... The Big Ten is a... I don't call it a disaster. A disaster in a good way. I mean, it's it's the best conference in the nation. And they've still got what, 14 games left, and it feels like we've gone through an entire season because we've been playing <laughs> the best teams in the conference so far besides Michigan. Um, these three wins feel like they are six wins at the end of the day, given how good this conference is. Um, and they, they've given themselves that much breathing room. They've gone from you know being on the outside looking in um, after the Illinois game to now a four-seed you know, four in Andy Katz predictions, a five-seed in bracketology. They are strongly in the top, you know, 25 teams in the nation. And given the opponents that they have remaining, uh, they, they've given themselves a pretty large margin for error. Now, that said, I feel like we've gone through this rigmarole before with the Gophers where, you know, they play decently in the beginning of the year. And then we get to that February swoon where things go haywire. And I'm really interested to see as the uh, regular season continues, continues to evolve, um, how they how, how they do in the long haul. They're full of seniors. They're full of guys who have been here before. Maybe not together, but they um, they haven't they haven't gone through a a, a February um, a February slog as a team 
as, as this team yet. So I guess, Street, question for you. We were sitting there on December 10th, Gophers are 6-0, and and we're not feeling very good about them at that point, even though they're undefeated. They hadn't played anybody. They didn't look very good doing it. Barely got by Boston College in overtime. They get stomped by Illinois. At that moment, you know, it looked like this was not going to be a very good team this year. Now we're sitting here feeling pretty good about ourselves. What do you think has changed in the past, you know, two or three weeks? I suppose a minor point, the conversation between you, Gopher Nation, who is always potentially going to come on the podcast but has not done yet, and me, I was generally actually reasonably (laughs) optimistic about the team. I thought that they had a lot of pieces needed to put together and that the lack of practices due to COVID was a challenge. But I do agree with you, it was not looking wonderful after the smoke against Illinois, I would say that two things have changed dramatically. And they're both... I'm going to take a... Hold hold on, I'm going to take a wild guess. One of them is we're shooting the ball better. Well, yeah, but that honestly could not have been much harder. And frankly, in both of their losses, (laughs) they've shot it abysmally. But even in their wins, they haven't been shooting the ball incredibly well. So for the nation, they're 212th in the country in effective field goal percentage. The thing that hasn't changed on the road but has changed at home are uh, twofold. The first thing that they've been able to do is get to the free throw line a lot. And when I say a lot, they're currently six in the country in free throw attempts per field goal attempts. That's fantastic. It also means beyond that, they're also making those free throws as well. One of the things that's been ghastly about this program for years is they get to the line a lot but shoot it like garbage. So it really wasn't all that efficient. Right now, they're a very efficient free throw shooting team. They're shooting 75% from the stripe, and that's after the game against Ohio State in which they sort of uncharacteristically, for how the season's played out, shot the ball rather poorly from the stripe. So that's the first thing I think they're doing much better. The second thing they're doing much better is on the defensive side of the ball. Currently, they are 36th in the country in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm here. But I think that actually masks one of the really impressive things about the team, which is that they have at least two potential first-team All-Big Ten defensive candidates. Liam Robbins will not get it because, frankly, they'll probably give it to Kofi Cockburn or somebody, and they probably should. Uh, But Gabe Kalsher is the best defensive player in the Big Ten, and I would make an argument that he currently is the best defensive player in the country. Nonetheless, those two players, they're good, but the other thing that's happened in the wins, not so much the losses, is the rotations from everybody else has been really good. So the weak side rotations have been solid, guys aren't leaving their feet, guys are making sure to communicate and know where each other is on the court. Marcus Carr, who this is, by the way, not a criticism at all. If you play 38 minutes a game and you have to be the primary scorer, you will and should take plays off on defense. But they've done a really good job hiding Marcus Carr. And so Marcus Carr has been able to pick his spots a lot more. He's seen that with him getting into passing lanes for steals and deflections. Those have gone up in the home games. Those, to me, are the two big things. Getting the free throw line and converting at the free throw line and really making defense a priority. I think that as long as that continues, because the latter is the second one is a pure effort thing. As long as that continues, the Gophers are going to be very hard out at home. On the road, we haven't seen, certainly the defensive side of the ball, hasn't been there in the same way, and they haven't been able to shoot for shit. So 
that's the stuff looking for the kind of next couple of weeks that I would like to see improve, especially on the road. If Minnesota is able to shoot better, in particular, if they're able to shoot close to 36% or better from three-point range, I went and looked at this because I was bored. Uh, There isn't a causal argument here uh, because we got some observational data, but Minnesota wins about 90% of their games in the last two years when they've shot 37% from three-point distance or better. And I can tell you why that's the case. It's not just, oh, three points is more than two points. It's also when Minnesota is hitting at that clip, defenses have to extend out, which allows what Minnesota actually does best, which is Marcus Carr, high pick and roll, slash to the lane, and then Phil to work. If Minnesota is shooting very poorly, as they did, for example, in the Wisconsin game, there is zero reason why defense can't just pack in the lane, and then Minnesota becomes very unidimensional, very isolation, heavy, doesn't pass the ball very much when it does, those passes are kind of lackadaisical. So those would be my two things. Yeah, the the softening up of the uh of the of the lane to get to give Leon Robbins some more room to work has paid off in spades, at least in the wins. Uh you make a few threes, you see those guys have to push out now and all of a sudden Leon Robbins can go to work and that's where you're seeing his, you know, twenty eight and ten games, which look good to us compared to what he was doing early in the season, but Let's not let's not forget that he was named the national player of the week this week. I mean, the the best player in the nation, and I think we all saw that against Ohio State. A couple of other things that I wanted to point out too that's really changed is, um, and I think that portends um, better success for the rest of the season is that the things that they're doing well are concrete, fundamental things that are hard to change. I guess so that the things that just don't go away. Three point percentage is fleeting, um, but they're not turning the ball over and they are getting to the line and making those free throws. Those are two things that will give you a very high floor and give you really big, good chances to win in any game of the season. And they're not relying on, you know, fleeting statistics that, where that would, you know, that helps them get lucky. And I think that, uh, that, that comes with some veteran leadership and also this team that's starting to learn how to gel. Um, and I can't say it enough, the evolution, I guess, in the past two or three weeks of Leon Robbins, I think we all saw him with his, he looked a little tentative, just stepping into the Big Ten, he seemed to have rock hands in the beginning, but now he's got touch. He's making all his shots, and he's just playing a lot. He's just playing smarter, and he's turned into the true weapon that um, they needed him to be, and I think most people thought he was going to be when he came from Drake. Yeah, I completely agree. As I said following the game against Ohio State, Liam Robbins was having a Daniel Oturo performance, and for those who have followed my coverage on the daily gopher that's about the highest compliment that i can give anybody because i thought very legitimately that daniel latura was the best player in the big 10 last year and got shafted out of all american awards uh, that view was apparently not shared by the majority of voters for said awards but i think as long as you can have a dominating center and robbins has been particularly dominating against undersized centers so if the person that's being put on him is 6'9 or below, he's more or less gone to work thus far this season. That's been heartening. What I would like to see kind of in sort of the next eight-game stretch, we begin you know, Michigan heading into sort of mid-February, is for Robbins to play better against taller and bigger centers. He's going to have a couple of opportunities to do it, starting against Michigan, who's got a great, lineup one to five i think michigan's a fantastic basketball team it's a little bit difficult to figure out how good northwestern is but michigan just carved them up 
like it was nobody's business and incredibly impressive performance. So I think Michigan will be a really good test on the road, not just because they're a top 10 team. Absolutely. That's one reason, but also because much like Illinois, in many ways, Michigan presents challenges for Minnesota that they haven't really had to face this year. Wisconsin presented challenges in that they're a very fundamental, well-coached team who will bore you to death and play basketball. And also the Gophers couldn't make a wide open shot. Illinois had a lot of talent and bullied Minnesota inside. Robbins picked up some fouls and also Minnesota couldn't make a shot. Michigan, I think in terms of just sort of sheer talent has talent at every position, but also their best players on the wings. It's not obvious that Gabe Kalsher is the best matchup to guard that person. And that I think is going to be a challenge for Minnesota. It also is going to be a challenge kind of going forward for the rest of the season. Does both Gotch defense, his, does his defense step up? Can Trey Williams come in and give you some good minutes? What will the bench do? Those kinds of things. But I will say it's much happier to be having these conversations now thinking what's the best way for Minnesota to potentially get to say 12 wins as opposed to how can they get eight or nine out of the remaining back half of the schedule and sneak in as a bubble team i also uh i don't want to be labeled a heretic here and i don't think many people have been have said it but this winning streak and these guys playing um you know pretty good basketball has also aligned with uh no longer having one jarvis omersa on the team do you think that's been um you think him being out, freeing out the minutes for other guys, uh, at all coincides with how this team is playing? I would say no. I don't think it's good to to lose a player like Jarvis, not in the sense of necessarily what he was giving you on the court, but in terms of energy and other intangibles. Those don't matter in some sense. In that, you know, oh, this guy has great intangibles doesn't mean that they can make shots. And if you're playing a game that has scoring, that's ultimately what matters. But I do think keeping people integrated in the locker room, keeping people up, keeping people excited in a season that's very weird and very strange, especially when you go on the road, having those guys is really important. So I don't think the reason why they're winning is because they've added by subtraction. What I think has been helpful is that Brandon Johnson has gotten healthier again, and so he's been able to play more. Isaiah Enan hasn't quite taken the step that I was hoping that he was going to take, but he's put in decent minutes. Eric Curry seems to be playing more and more, and while he is substantially slower than he used to be, he's a really smart player, and so that I think has been helpful. But I actually think the real benefit from the defense hasn't been in the post, per se. It's been on the wings. I think that Gabe Kalsher, he was a really good defender last year. He wasn't this good of a defender last year. He has improved substantially. If you take the Ohio State game as an example, Dwayne Washington had, I believe, 21 points in that game. You could put seven of those points maybe on Gabe Kalsher, and three of those points was an absolutely gift prayer three that just went in over great defense, clap your hands, for the offensive player making a play. But otherwise, he was a non-factor when Kalsher was on him. Everybody else, he was smoking him, uh, except for except for Gabe. And when you have a player like that, Purdue had it a couple of years ago. Michigan State had that kind of with Xavier Tillman. That kind of player who you can say, I can put you one-on-one, 
and play good defense, that makes a lot of other problems go away. But crucially, I think in the winning streak, not so much in the losses, but in the wins, it hasn't just been Gabe. It's also Marcus Carr has been playing really good defense. Both Gotch has been playing really good defense. Uh, when they've brought in Jamal Mashburn, Jamal Mashburn has been playing a bit better on the defensive end. Those are the players I think that matter more because to some degree, if Omersa was in, it meant that Liam Robbins had a couple of fouls. And as long as Liam Robbins stays out of foul trouble, well, you're unlikely to see a Jarvis Omersa-like player because, for example, you haven't seen Sam Freeman play very much either for a similar reason. This might be the most heartening podcast we've had in some time, and I'm here for it. I mean, I I still should say that I expect the Gophers to lose on Wednesday to Michigan, potentially by a lot. So just to bring that heartening down a little bit. Well, you're you're actually, whether or not you're bringing the, you know, harsh in my mellow here, uh, you've, you've made a nice transition for us. Uh, it's probably time to, to get some predictions in for the Michigan game. I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about right now. Um, I've watched zero minutes of Michigan and, and far too few minutes of Minnesota. I'm just going to go full homer and just say there is no reason to believe anything I'm saying uh, is going to happen and go 72-70 Minnesota for funsies. Uh, Andy, how about you? Kevin McHale, 74. Chris Weber, 71. I like it. Uh, okay, now into to the predictions that I think are perhaps a little more uh, reasoned. Uh, we'll go to Steve. What do you think is going to happen tomorrow night uh, in Ann Arbor? Boy, I've been on a real streak of predicting the Gophers to lose. And, you know, I don't think I've seen enough of them on the road to... Uh, to predict a win, especially against a Michigan team that is, you know, looking like one of the best teams in the nation, I can't go with them. I'm taking the Wolverines by ten. Street closing us out here uh, on what is admittedly already going to be not a negative note, but a lower note. That's okay though. Do what you feel. What's uh, what's your prediction? Wolverines by eight possessions. I would agree with Steve that on the road, I have yet to see this team play particularly well their first good their if they have a good road game it will be their first good road game in a long time and i just really think that michigan presents a bunch of matchup challenges that say for example an iowa team did not when the gophers played them at home because michigan also seems to be a really good defensive team and that is not something that you can necessarily say about Iowa. Iowa is a fantastic team, you know, one through seven, but the way Iowa is going to beat you is they're going to be super efficient and, and score you to death. Michigan can absolutely score you to death. They're seventh in the country on offense, but they're also a top 30 defensive squad and they look really good doing it. So at the at the Chrysler Center, I think it's hard to believe that, that Minnesota will pull out a win. I would be very happy to be wrong about that, though. If they were to win, uh, and I don't care if you want to approach this as a win that is repeatable or the flukiest of fluke wins in the history of fluke wins, I don't care what direction you want to take the answer to this question. But if you had to pick a key 
that you want to st- that they have to do differently than any of their road games thus far. What do you think is the most important thing to set Minnesota up to pick up that upset? Minnesota shoots thirty eight percent or better from three point range. Steve, oh, same question. Man, that was what I was gonna say. No, but I mean, it, I mean, r- really, you I can mean, double down on it. I mean, <laughs> it's true. I mean, it, it's it's amazing how this t- it didn't happen in the Ohio State game. I don't have the number of three pointers that they attempted, but this team they 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 shot fewer than they usually do. Yes, yeah, so they had they were nine of, nine of twenty two from the three from three point line, um, and usually they're attempting thirty or more, and I think that's a product of Robbins just being, having a really good game, um, but it's amazing what making just three. Um, if not four more three-pointers of those 25 or 30 does to your bottom line. I mean, that's nine or 12 points. That's making or breaking a game. And when you're attempting that many, and when you have shooters who should be making those, um, it's not that much of an ask where I think they can be shooting 35% from the three-point line. So, again, I think that's a, that, that's a, that's a big sticking point for them going forward is to, is to make a few more threes. For reference, For reference on this, Chris, uh, in every one of their wins, so they're 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 four and one in their last five games. The Michigan State game is a weird aberration because Minnesota's de- defense was incredible, and also Michigan State could not hit the broadside of an aircraft carrier. But that one accepted. In the four, in the three other wins, they went thirty nine point five from distance, forty percent from distance, and a little over, almost forty one percent from distance. And their offense during that time is a top seven offense in the country for those games. The offensive efficiency rating in the Wisconsin game, they went seven for thirty one. And I don't think I agree with Steve. It's not a coincidence that if they're shooting up a bunch of threes, that says something else that's negative about the team. But I also will say that one of the other benefits, not just in like, oh, they score points kind of deal, is that it is always way easier to play defense when your shots are falling in on the offensive side of the ball. Always much easier. And I think for this team, in order to beat Michigan, they have to be locked in on every single possession on defense. And that's really hard if the offensive game is not working. So what I'm what I'm taking, kind of as I envisioned, if I was to set, set up a... Um, a script for an upset then is it's going to become a lot harder than it already is if they come out cold offensively. Um, separate from, you know, okay, like I'm not even saying have to stay hot all night. If they spend the first 10 minutes of the game and they're only shooting 20% from three, that's sucking away time even if they were to pick it up the rest of the game. Basically, feel a lot better about yourself if the Gophers come out hot because at least then if they get cold, they can maybe rely on their defense to pick them up versus, um, you know, starting cold and then trying to scramble. Something this team, from all indications, has not been able to do for about two and a half, three years now. Yes. Okay. All right, so you heard it here first. The Gophers are going to be coming out hot and are (laughs) walking away with this one. Uh, so says our basketball experts. Um, we will, of course, be talking about how they did against Michigan, uh, how the hockey team does this weekend against Wisconsin, uh, and more in next week's Sky U podcast. In the meantime, stay safe. Take care of yourself. Vaccine's coming slow, but it's coming. Don't get sick now. Go Gophers. Sky U Ma. Row the boat. Mm-hmm.